bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist at the American Museum of Natural History, right here in New York City. And I also serve as director of the Hayden Planetarium. Come check us out sometime. I got with me in studio the one, the only, the inimitable Chuck Nice. Yes. Chuck, welcome back, man. Hey, Neil. Love, nice. you ha- love having you. I love being here, man. And you get into, into all kinds of stuff. First, you're tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. At Chuck Nice Comic. Ch- ch- other Chuck Nices were taken, I'm it, told. Well, yeah. Well, screw the rest of those Chuck Nices. <laughs> right, sorry. You yeah. were just slow. <laughs> just admit it. <laughs> That's right. uh, Put the comic on there. Also, I was checking your bio in progress. You're doing a, a show where you're just invading people's homes, which oh. sounds creepy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> imagine that. A black man home invasion <laughs> show. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's called Home Strange Home, man. It's Home me, Strange Home. Me going around to some of the weirdest and uh, most unique homes in America. And calling and, them out. And call them out, yeah. And and what what network? Uh, HGTV. Home and Garden Television. Home and Garden Television. That is my sister's favorite network. I love her. Every speed dial button goes to that network. My kind of woman. She'll, I'm not going to tell her. She's going to find you by accident. Fantastic. And she's there. I got with me also my friend and colleague, Charles Liu. Great to see you. Professor Liu. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Today. Excellent. Uh, astrophysicist at the City University of New York on Staten Island. Yeah. And I've, I've got you here because we're featuring my interview clips with... Alan Rickman. Yes! Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. By Grabthar's hammer, you shall be avenged. And I didn't Galaxy Quest. I didn't know this in advance. That was it. Yes, you did. Good or bad. (laughs) (laughs) You'll find out. Good reference. (laughs) Bad impersonation. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. So Alan Rickman, you you may know him from his role in Harry Potter. He was Snape. Creepy define the word creepy. He's he's it. And Harry Potter. Of course, he was in Die Hard, one of the greatest villain roles ever. Yes. He was in Galaxy Quest, how as campy a movie as there ever was, in Dogma, many other films. And uh, he was also in Bottle uh, Bottle Shock. Bottle Shock, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, a wine film. A big fan of that. And, you know, for. Folks who are sort of sort of A-list guests like that I always like knowing what role science might have played in their lives. Mm-hmm. It's not always good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I just like knowing, just so I know what I'm dealing with, right. you know, in the interview. So let's find out 
what Alan Rickman tells us about his life experience learning science. So Alan, I have to ask, because you've been in some intriguing science fiction films like Galaxy Quest, I always wonder, do people who end up in those roles, do they have some science background that leads them to it? How, how is science flavored in your life, in your years in school? Put it this way, when I did uh, my very last physics exam, I got 4%. Uh, that would off. be four marks out of 100. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Not 96 because you lost four no, marks. I got four marks. Four in your physics. And I think they used to give you one mark for getting your name right. <laughs> on the top of the paper uh, and uh, and the teacher wrote a hysterical paper and I, he didn't mean that it was funny um wait so, so uh, what's the corresponding year in school in america that that would be is that, that how old be when you? i was about um 15 or okay, 16, so high school. something like that yeah and it's before you choose which subjects you're going to do what we call A-level when you're uh, 17 and 18 and then you go to university so physics was or science was never, ever going to be part of my so life. So that when you said, maybe I should be an actor. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, at least I had an option. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me wonder, like, had you done well in physics, we would have never had you as an actor. I, I don't know uh, what these four, how these forces operate. But No, actually, there was somebody in my year who, because it, it, it was a good school in that sense. They didn't kind of try to trap you or type you, and somebody in my year Which did. is a very UK thing to do, right? Yeah, trap, type well, I don't know about UK, it's world over, you know, get a label on people as yeah. quickly as they can. This guy in my year did for his three A-level subjects, i.e. leading up to university, he did physics, maths, and art. And he wound up being an art teacher. Oh. And I'm sure all the better for having uh, had science in his life. Wow. So, yeah, we got 4% on his physics. I'm not going to ask you what percent you got on your <laughs> physics. Chuck, I'm turning to you on this one. <laughs> I, uh, that's funny he says that because I remember, now we had physics in uh, the ninth grade, Ooh. the school that I went to. Ooh, was it private school? It was, it was a uh, prep school. And prep it was, school, okay. And it was uh, academically advanced. Mm -hmm. I was not academically advanced. All right. And so I failed physics. And, oh, um, now, now it comes out. But what it that's when you said I think I'll be a comedian. Yes, and poke fun on a physics radio show. Yeah, but I I loved science and I really felt like man I can't believe I'm I failed this class and I blamed the teacher. But I had the right thing to do. I'm so in favor. I blamed the teacher. So you're you're an educator, yeah, as am I, of course. But you 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 think a lot about this, so. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued that he could fail a class, yes. but still embrace the meaning of science. Because when Alan Rickman said he got 4%, he wasn't bad-mouthing science. That's right. He just got 4%. That's right. That's all he was One saying. One thing that he said that was so telling, he said that most places in the world, you get tracked into places. Oh, yeah. you must be the science guy. Oh, you must be the art guy. Yeah. But the bottom line is, especially in this modern world, you can love anything and be anything at the same time. The information... Without the you, metrics of an exam exactly. telling you whether the, you should do either. The right? information that used to have to be forced into you as training for something is no longer that constrained in the classroom. You can get it anywhere, but like yeah. all over the world, oh, online. Oh, yeah. so we live in a time where the teacher is not the sole source exactly. of your enlightenment. So the teacher's role becomes whether or not you learn how to think about things in a positive light, whether you understand things in a way that makes sense for you in your life. If the teacher fails to do that, it is the teacher's fault. 
It is oh, not the student's fault. <laughs> so I tell all my students, I might teach astronomy. You know, I, I say, look, if you don't like math and science by the end of this class, don't blame math and science. Blame me. Right. And I'm totally comfortable with that. And, and we're really glad to hear it. What did it, it for me, though, was... Uh, so you were burned in effigy recently. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure oh, that. That's fine. That's happening. But no, did you do well in any science class? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did okay. well in most of them. I just really... I don't know what it was. I don't think we had a communication thing. But then uh, another... My chemistry teacher gave me a book called Introduction to Astronomy. Ah. Your chemistry teacher. My did. chemistry teacher okay. gave me this. Good for your chemistry Because the, chemi the chemistry teacher said, there's no way you can be doing this well in chemistry and failing physics. Mm. And oh. when I started, this book was really fascinating. So as a teacher figured something else must be operating yes. on right. that. Yes. Yeah? And I found the book so fascinating that it inspired me to continue going. That's great. And you became a comedian. <laughs> 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 exactly. But astronomy is often a gateway science. When we come back, we've got more of my interview with Alan Rickman, the actor extraordinaire. And I've got in studio Chuck Nice, Charles Lude. We'll be back in a Radio. By the way, you can find us three ways. First, we're just simply on the web at StarTalkRadio.net. We have an archive of all of our old shows. Check it out. But there you can also download us as a podcast, as you can on iTunes. We're also in video form on the Nerdist network of YouTube. So find us there. And not only that, we're on broadcast radio. And so, Chuck, yes. with a lot of roots in broadcast radio, it's so great to have you participate in this adventure. Yes, yeah, I feel the same way. And my roots are deep in broadcast radio. Yeah, yeah, so thank, thanks for that. And Chuck, you, you, you were a radio broadcaster in college. Yes, I was. Excellent, so we, we, let's put on our radio voices. For there we go, all right. <laughs> well, I did punk rock once in a while, so it was like, hey, how you doing, it's a hospital. Punk rock. <laughs> so in, in this edition of Star Talk, we've got my interview clips with Alan Rickman, who's actor extraordinaire. I mean. When he speaks, you can only just be silent and listen to the words as they come out of his mouth. He, first, he's got the British accent, which yes. means he has access to vocabulary that Americans can only dream of. <laughs> and just the roles he's played have been yeah. so compelling and so absorbing. And in this next clip, I, it came off of our discussion of his exposure to science and what about science might intrigue him. He didn't do well on that physics class. He got 4% out of 100. I thought it was 4% off, 4% uh -huh. in. So yes, that's bad. That's That'd be bad. an F minus. <laughs> minus, minus, minus. So but does that influence what roles you might play? Uh, is it good or is it bad? Is he still curious? Turns out he was quite interested in human physiology. Well, who isn't? But to know that an actor is brings an extra dimension to it. Let's find out what he tells us about that about watching somebody play the piano, I don't know how that's physically possible. How do, they, how do people retain that information? How do they then not look at what their hands are doing? Uh, and how is that message going from the brain to 10 fingers and dividing that information up? Uh, and also um, operations now where the, the edges get blurred, whereby people can operate with a tiny camera inside people's bodies. And apparently the way they train themselves to do that is by um, getting really good at computer games. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a fascinating frontier. So I'm, I'm curious then, 
I mean, you, you're intelligent. You, well, you're, you're a deep thinker. We've spoken earlier. You even think philosophically about the world. It seems to me that that could and would play some role in what drives the roles you select in your acting career. I mean, why wouldn't they? If someone, if someone, yeah. if someone had an idea, they say, "We're going to cast doctors." Consider was it in the 1960s that movie, uh, that Isaac Asimov story, "Fantastic Voyage," where the the vessel, the Proteus, I think it was called, shrunk. There's some there's some important diplomat that has a brain tumor, and he might die. But they they have found a laser that could fix it. But they have to shrink down the laser and get inside and do it. So they take this vessel put people in it, shrink it down to the size of the can fit in a sh syringe, and then you go inside the body. And then the whole movie is what is inside the body and what they see and the, and the red blood cells and the, the ventricles of the heart and the veins and the arteries and they get to the brain and they pull out their laser, which was a big thing back in the 60s. And, and I'm just curious, those, those sound like intriguing roles. And if, if, you, if you feel that, just means I have to do a lot of uh, background work to catch up. <laughs> well, I, so I mean, that's, that's all right. No, that's that's enjoyable that? too. I like I like ambiguity in roles because that's interesting because it means there's no rules and it means you can pull people into a private storytelling space and they're not being manipulated by outside forces. Their uh, imaginations are allowed to work along with mine, but at the same time. I did actually do a film playing a heart surgeon, and I was on really big catch-up there because wow. I was now forced to try to understand how the heart even works, and then uh, to mime doing a heart operation because it was about Alfred Blaylock who did the first Blue Baby operation. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. So when you're an actor, you don't know what you're going to be called to do, mm -hmm. and there he is. First, he's intrigued by the motoneuro kineticism of a piano, piano player. player. Who is it? Do you play the piano, Charlie? I do play the piano. Of course piano. you do. <laughs> <laughs> do you play the piano, too? Uh, no longer. No longer. I did. I took lessons for a little while, yeah. but I sucked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, my daughter is way better than I am. Okay. But the reality is that, indeed, when the human body programs itself, the reason we practice is that we're able to train our bodies to do things beyond our ability to think consciously. It's the same for playing piano as it is for, say, a football player. If somebody's coming in and trying to sack you as a quarterback... Uh, you run you the other way. You, <laughs> what yeah, is, what you, kind of training does that take? But you literally don't have enough time to think to, think to move. Your body has to know to move before you even think, way. oh, somebody's going to come hit me. So you're training yourself all those years. You think, oh, I can play quarterback or, oh, I can sack the quarterback. The reality is your body has to react faster than you can think and command your body to react in order to be successful. So that's, so you're training. Yes. So you train. So, so yeah. I feel the same way at the Source Awards. Mm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you hear pop, pop, you don't need to think. You just run. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you've done this. This has happened so often. <laughs> your your motoneurokinetic right. response. You, you would think that uh, it would right. occur to me just not to go to the source awards. Right. <laughs> Hundreds of hours, thousands of hours of that kind of practice. But what is very cool is that the human brain, even with a few hours, can make it so that other humans looking at that person suspect that there's the appearance of ability, even though the true ability is not yet revealed. Oh, so the actor doesn't have to then be the 20,000 hour expert. Precisely. They can just 
Uh, Even twenty like hour it. expert, right? And again, that takes. But they have to know how to mimic. Exactly, and that right. itself has its own brain, not neurocognitive things. Mm-hmm. So different people are good at different things. It could be, for example, that the maestro piano player particularly can arrange his or her fingers to become very good at playing the piano, whereas the actor or the comedian has the motor neuro ability to find a way to reach those specific aspects that appear. To be excellent to others and be able to communicate. You know, when I was host, when I was hosting Nova Science Now on PBS, uh-huh. we did a segment on your brain learning while you're asleep of something you had done the day before. Right. Okay. So you do a task that you've never done before, and you it's hard at first, and you get a little better at it, and you keep getting better. But there's a point where you're just not getting better. You you, you fatigue, mm-hmm. I guess, is mm-hmm. how you we would normally describe it. You go to sleep, wake up the next morning, kick in, you start. At a higher level than you left off the day before, because your brain, the has brain added kept, the information it kept into going. Its and it's not just knowledge; it was adding kinetic uh, memory of what you were doing. And so, when they say "sleep on it," that it actually has meaning. Okay. And and, and I was able to confirm that. I did this with multiple. I did it with a video game that required uh, wow. kineticism. I did it with a, a, a typing sequence. I did it with a, a memory sequence. The next day, I was better. And so. Um, the brain is working. So is your brain like making new neural pathways so that you're better at that? That's or what they used to just, say, Charles. Yeah. But you're, you're, it's just, I mean, we're not growing new neurons, right? right? Okay. right. It's just the rearrangement of the chemical pieces that we picked up. It all kind of settles in during that time when you're not doing anything else. It's all just sacks of chemistry is what you're telling us. Oh, chemistry, alchemy, magic. (laughs) Magic. Magic. Who knows what it is? (laughs) But as well you know, Neil, all scientists throughout history who have reached intractable things have at first ascribed them to perhaps magic or divinity, but knowing that that's just a gap until we fill it with more knowledge. What's interesting is... It works that way historically, and there's the famous uh, edict or adage from Arthur C. Clarke, where any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. Ah. Yeah. And so, so, so not only- Take an iPhone back to colonial America. No, take it back 10 years ago. (laughs) You'd still be be burned at the stake. That's true. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, So for an actor to learn to be another whole person, um, I'm intrigued to, and, and, and heartened, well, of course, because we see it and it's real. Actors who are good pick it up, they capture the essence of it to the point where you, the viewer, even if you're an expert in what they're acting, you think that they yeah. are yeah. what that is. You want them to be that. That's true. On the other hand, I watch The Big Bang Theory, and I'm <laughs> certain those actors are experts in all yeah. the fields yeah, that yeah, they yeah. talk about. Yeah. On the other hand, doesn't it rankle you when, I don't know, maybe Chuck, you know this, when you're watching somebody pretending to play the piano on the movie and their hands are over here and you yeah. know that the sound it's is coming right over there, you're going, oh, there. forget it, man. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm switching the channel. I'm not taking yeah. you to the, to the next <laughs> <laughs> Or the next taping of Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yeah, and some actors, they'll actually want to learn the piano mm-hmm. so that you know, like they want to be that real, yeah. or they'll gain the weight or lose no, the weight. You're right. Denzel Washington played a trumpet player in Mo Better Blues and literally learned the fingering, not to play the trumpet, oh, but okay. the fingering. So you checked the cheek to see if it was <laughs> <laughs> more of our interview with Alan Rickman when we come back to Start Talk. Mm-hmm. 
Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. This episode is brought to you by Progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We're back on Star Talk. Today we are featuring my interview with Alan Rickman. Listen to that guy all day. <laughs> um, no, that is not a good imitation. Of I Alan don't know. Rickman. He sounds a little smug when he talks. Yeah, but then, I love it. But then you 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 want that, you know? <laughs> but his last line in the last movie: "You have your mother's eye, such pathos." You yes. just want to shed a tear for the dude. Yeah, I wanted to shed a tear for that impression. <laughs> That's why you're the comedian and okay. I'm the astronomy No, professor. I'm glad you did it because mine sucked, but that one... <laughs> okay, he's, a, he's done a lot of movies. The movie I'm thinking of right this minute is he was one of the lead characters in the movie Bottle Shock, which chronicles an episode in the history of American ornology. Ah! That's one of those O-E words. Yes, ornology. ornology. Yes. Well, look, I, Neil, I hope it's okay that I reveal to the world how much of an enophile you are. This man, folks, is one of the maybe two or three most knowledgeable people about wine in the whole world. No, that, that he I knows. Know. <laughs> that I know. 
in the whole world that I know. <laughs> that, that okay. I know. Right. You, you, okay. you, you, you have to let me finish my sentence. Okay, why? Right, right. uh, well, thank you for that, yeah. for those kudos. But I'm just saying, so so I had to go see that movie. And I found out neither of you saw that movie. So Did I not. do all the talking this same. Didn't see Sideways either. Yeah, so Sideways is another good one. So <laughs> I'm just impressed that there are these, that there's a wine movie out there. And it chronicled the this chapter in the history of American winemaking where California is trying to make a name for itself, right? It's got the grapes of the classic wine growing regions of uh, France from Bordeaux yep. and Burgundy. especially uh, Bordeaux in this particular case. And, and so they grow their Cabernet Sauvignon grape. And so the most expensive wines ever at auction from France are this grape. You put the plantings here in America, and they're trying to compete. And there was a contest in 1976, our bicentennial year. It was all up with America. And the French said, let's have a contest. You guys are so uppity. Let's bring some of your wines against some of our wines. And some people were a little skeptical that maybe the French were trying to embarrass us mm. on our... Because, by the way, the only way you can conduct that experiment is if you taste the wine blind. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? You can't know in advance because then you don't trust the judges. Especially the French. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we have a contest where you bring your still? <laughs> <laughs> right. So you got to work that and, and play it right. And yeah. so... So Alan Rickman plays, was he one of the judges? I forgot the exact role, but he was there as part of this, this contest that would be conducted. And so uh, let's check out this clip uh, and, and we'll talk more about wine when we get back. All right, so you study your roles, that, yeah. as, as any good actor does, which tells me then, in Bottle Shock, you had to do a lot of wine tasting. <laughs> That's not so difficult. <laughs> had to do your homework for Bottle Shock. Yeah. Uh, no, well, the real problem with that was we were shooting it all in Sonoma, and uh, and so when we came to the scene where there's a, it, it's about a blind wine tasting between French, a, a true story between French and American wines. Like we taste the wine, and you don't, you're not told in advance yeah, anything you know, about it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and this was set up in Paris 30-odd years ago by the character I was playing to publicize his wine academy. And this all happened, and his judges were very eminent um, French, all French chefs and um, wine experts. And Snobs, basically. <laughs> well, they knew what they were talking about. Uh, horror of horrors, the American wines won. Uh, That's an extraordinary the story. French. But of course, the departure from anything to do with reality is when we shot that scene of the actual wine tasting, it was in about 90 degrees of heat outdoors uh, in Sonoma, where, of course, you, you couldn't possibly have done that because it would have ruined all the wine. Oh, right, right, right. But it was, a, it was visually uh, stunning. Good. Right, yeah, look, it, <laughs> it, 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 it looked mm. good. Yeah, so so there he was. So uh, he was the sort of the British merchant who organized this tasting in France. And yeah, America won. And in fact, I have tasted the wine that won that contest. Wow. It was a 1973 Stag's Leap. Stag's Leap? Cask 23. Wow. Cask 23. Was it actually that good? Stag's Leap, uh, 1973. Now, now back then, and still, uh, California wines tend to mature sooner than ah. than French wines. So okay. when the French lost this contest, they would then say, "Oh well, the American because it's 1976, 
was the contest. These American wines, the other uh, French wines were in the early 70s, right? right? So they would say, oh, ours has not shown well yet. (laughs) Come back in three years. (laughs) We will see you always then. (laughs) Big. (laughs) (laughs) By then it was too late. Genie was out of the bottle. Uh, Time magazine was present at the tasting and they ended up writing about it. No other American press was interested in covering it. You know, there is a California wine called Rocket Science. Yes. In fact, I had some of that yesterday. As good as Stagsley? They're coming along. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, I'm I'm a sucker for a wine label that has cosmic themes. And there's a lot of them. In fact, I think cosmically themed wine labels are like second behind like nature stuff, like flowers and cute animals. Just check it out. There's some with moons and planets and stars. Oh my. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's the lucky charms of wine. (laughs) (laughs) The yellow brick road, that's the next one. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I'm quite sure that cosmic themes have infused the winemaking. People might have done well in their Astro 101 and it showed up on their labels. When we come back, more of my interview with Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Thank you. Oh, that was (laughs) We're back with Star Talk Radio featuring my interviews with Alan Rickman. Alan, and, and both of you guys cannot imitate the man. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, no, you're right. <laughs> my, my host doesn't stop us from trying. Doesn't stop you from trying. And we just came off of that segment with uh, a bottle shock where an American wine won this prestigious French competition set up to, to showcase what, how far California had come. And, you know, the science of wine is fascinating. In University of California, Davis, there's an entire school there that specializes in the science of wine. Yeah. And so what I like is that the Americans... We're saying, whatever you guys do in France, because you want to raise it to an art. In California, they're saying, we're going to bring it down to a science. Right. We will kick your ass with science. <laughs> we will blind them what? with science. Right. Blind. <laughs> Draw some science on them, sir. <laughs> Snap. So Alan Rickman didn't only do Bottle Shock. He also did what one of the campiest, funniest movies ever, Galaxy Quest. Dr. Lazarus. Yeah, I don't know how many people out there saw the film. Yes. I don't think it was like a number one in the charts, but definitely it's certainly a, like a rentable film. And... It, it was about a, a a TV characters from a science fiction show that actual aliens came who had, had to protect their civilization or something. They want them to help them because yeah. they, they thought it was real because they got the television signals right. uh, from that went out into space. We have read, we have seen your hysterical. Every Trekkie's fantasy come true. Yeah, every Star Trek uh, fan. Every Star Trek fan. Because you want it to be real, and the aliens thought it was real. Mm -hmm. So Alan Rickman played uh, Dr. Lazarus, right? Is that in the Galaxy Quest TV show? By Grabthar's hammer, you shall be avenged. Let's go straight to that clip. (laughs) (laughs) I just asked him, how does this fit into your, your, your acting repertoire? Let's find out what he said. Well, I mean, of course, in, in Galaxy Quest, I'm trying to think if I've done any others, but uh, that was very particularly about a bunch of actors. 
So, uh, <laughs> who were all trapped in a really bad TV show. Uh, so that's, that's right. You really were, all I had to know. You were portraying an actor on that. Yeah. That just didn't occur to me to and think possibly of it that way. a bad actor, <laughs> right? <laughs> who uh, who had uh, you know aims of having been in Shakespeare and found himself in a sci-fi show, which then finished twelve years ago, and now these actors just go to conventions, right? Right, because uh, so and the real aliens showed up. Right, real aliens showed up unnoticed in the crowd of um, <laughs> pe people wearing my costume. <laughs> the premise is mm. just so crazy. I mean, it's, it was it's brilliant, fun, fun crazy yeah, premise. Brilliant. And I'm, I'm I'm glad you did it because it was, it, <clears> it's <throat> there. <laughs> so this is in his portfolio yeah, of, of yeah. acting roles. You know, I, I just remember my notes. Forgive me, I had to reference my notes. The uh, aliens in the movie called the Thermians mm -hmm. and octopoidal creatures, yeah. right? That's yeah. what they had were. Humanoid form. But they had when humanoid form when they were interacting with us. Yeah. But when you saw them doing in, in their nasty. true form, oh, they were disgusting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. So they did it for our benefit, so yeah. that we wouldn't completely. No, they're awesome. Uh, completely freak out. Yes. So uh, Alan made a, uh, an interesting point that there are actors there who may have trained in Shakespeare mm -hmm. and find themselves on a hit TV show that has nothing to do with Shakespeare. Right. Rickman played that part to perfection in a sense because he looked a little grumpy yes, in that role he was right? supposedly sir alexander dane a yes. distinguished shakespearean actor who winds up on tv and now looks like a moron in one scene in the movie he had to go stand in front of a walmart like box store with his friends and say by grab Thar's hammer what a saving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, at the store. <laughs> yeah, and so the whole point of it is that you can take a role and play with it as much as you want, or you can disdain it and say that's not part of you, right? In, in modern Star Trek lore, people are still going around doing exactly the same thing. In my one cameo <laughs> on The Big Bang Theory, yeah. I chatted with the Raj character, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And Because he's the astrophysicist on the show. And I said, oh, so what is your background? Like, he's classically trained in, in, in England, and he's studied studied Shakespeare yeah. and then I thought to myself did he ever imagine that he would be best known for like a geeky science kid in, in a TV hit sitcom yeah. and so I guess uh, surely it all folds in but I, maybe you've got to go where the where the you got to roll with it yeah you do and you hate every minute of it until, <laughs> until you get a check funny <laughs> how that just makes everything okay <laughs> oh I'm just really selling my soul here this is awful there is no artistic integrity to any of this how much is this <laughs> my <Ka -ching>. god <laughs> I'm stealing money <laughs> more in my interview with Alan Rickman when we come back to Star Talk. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. We're back on StarTalk. Find us on the web at startalkradio.net. Charles, yes. I brought you on the show. You're an astrophysicist, yes. but you're also like a total expert in so many other things, <laughs> including the analysis of Harry Potter. Look, Harry Potter's most important relative in the series is named Sirius Black. Sirius, of course, the brightest star in the night sky. Mm. Sirius has a brother named Regulus Black. Who is also another very bright star? Another, right. another right. relative, a female. Sirius is in Canis Major. It is the Eye of the Dog. Ah, Regulus is one of the stars in the constellation Leo. It's in the paw of Leo the Lion. Paw of Leo. And they have another relative named Bellatrix. Bellatrix. Let me yes. guess. Dog anus. <laughs> <laughs> no? No, 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 no. She's no. probably generally stars in constellations are not don't identify the anus. <laughs> okay. They try to use the, the bright star. If it's a bright star, it's the eye. Eyes, yeah. belts, no, That's right. yeah, no, no, okay. no. Now Bellatrix is one of the stars in the constellation Orion the Hunter. And it means Amazon or woman warrior. But of course Bellatrix is a sister named Narcissus which has no star name. And just a Narcissus is, of course, a, based on a plant. Uh, it's a flower that grows over the side. So I, I once tweeted all the names in, in Harry Potter that derive from cosmic sources yeah. or star names. And there's quite a few. So J.K. Rowling must have had Astro 101 yes. or knew her yeah, mythology. Right. There's something. So that's good that when good. people know their science. Yes. And the it science. informs their art. Yes. And enriches storytelling. Absolutely. Let's go to my next clip with Alan Rickman about how science literacy can enrich storytelling, particularly in the sci-fi genre. Check it out. I think it's not an accident that some of the most popular movies of all time have had a science fiction foundation to them. You look at uh, the movie with Pandora in it, Avatar. You look at uh, E.T. You look at, you look at these stories, it, it enables you to reach for places to tell a story that you couldn't maybe tell convincingly yeah. with just ordinary people. But they need great writers and they need great stories. It's very easy to just kind of sling the ingredients together and call it a film. And I think there's a danger of that. When I, when I think back to a film like Alien, which uh, I think was an extraordinary experience to see that when that first came yeah, out. Yeah. And just sit in a, a movie theater and be genuinely terrified. Is there some role, science fiction role, that you think you could or should play or want to play as we go forward? Um, I'm here ready, willing, and able to play anything, anybody, in any story, as long as it's well-written. And what does that mean? As long as it uses language well, as long as it's got ideas, as long as it's got a point of view, 
as long as it's not uh, insulting the audience, as long as it's taking them somewhere. And, and as I say, that's a mysterious process. I'm, I'm a good editor of a script, but I have no idea what it means to sit down with a blank piece of paper and come up with a story. But I'm, I'm the servant of it when it arrives. So sure, it absolutely would be something that would fascinate me. That's Alan Rickman getting... That's pretty noble of him. <laughs> so what I liked about what he said is he doesn't want the script to insult the audience, but he didn't at, at for a moment say that the script couldn't insult him as an actor. He'll right. play any role. That's right. That's provided it's that it served the audience. Right. And that was good. It'll take anything yeah, anywhere. That's really important. And science fiction is a tremendous way, just science in general, because there's so much unknown. It's the frontier, and yet there's enough reality in it that we can relate to this unusual environment. So what you're saying is there's enough uh, uh, palette that has been undrawn upon That's right. for you to go places that where otherwise you'd be constricted here on Earth. That's right. That's why you... I put you, words in your mouth, but I think that's you're what you're exactly saying. You're exactly right. You explore the human condition in other worldly environments and it allows you to distill the story that you really want we to can't tell. be the only ones thinking this chuck you look at the eight out of the top 10 grossing films of all time have been sci sci-fi jurassic park et avatar star wars you just go on down the list it's all sci-fi because well because it also it excites the imagination but i thought i was biased because i'm a scientist and of course i like sci-fi but like other folk are into this too no because i mean it's it's the ultimate fantasy think about it to be able, how many people have left this atmosphere and yet you get to go to another galaxy or or beyond? I mean, and then pretty much- 14 people have left the atmosphere. 14 people have yeah. left, that's all? Yeah, that's all. God, that's crazy. Yeah, well, it left to, to another destination. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not just been up and back. Yeah, yeah. not, not just around, circle around. Driving around the block. Driving around the block. Right, right. They actually have left yeah. to another Got destination. Got their GPS and went somewhere else. Right. <laughs> Yeah, 14 yeah. people. So, I mean, I mean, of course, people look at sci-fi and go, wow, I mean, this would be cool if this could happen. Isn't there incredible comedy and humor in science fiction, too? Well, without a doubt. Being like able the, to just laugh about things that you otherwise couldn't because it's too close to like, home. Like Kirk getting alien tail when yeah. he goes in the gap. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever... Uh, what, Whatever what? unnamed uh, uh, crewman goes down with him is going to die. With a red shirt. With a red shirt. More <laughs> on Alan Rick with my interview with Alan Rickman when we return on Star Talk Radio. In these lessons, I will attempt to penetrate your mind. You will attempt to resist. Prepare yourself. Let gentlemen. Feeling sentimental. That's private. Not to me. Not to the Dark Lord if you don't improve. Every memory he has access to is a weapon he can use against you. You won't last two seconds if he invades your mind. You're just like your father. Lazy, arrogant... Don't say a word against my father. Weak. I'm not weak. Then prove it. Control your emotions. Discipline your mind. We're back on Star Talk Radio, and we've been featuring my interview with uh, actor extraordinaire Alan Rickman. Every role he plays, he owns it. 
That's true. He, you can't even imagine anyone else approaching the roles that he portrays in his films. He really and, does make them all his own. Uh, yeah, just I, I guess that's a good thing for directors. I should have brought a director in here to get them to <laughs> to react to this. But uh, so what I wanted to know from him in my interview was. Does he approach a role with any kind of philosophical, like what's what's his muse as he goes in? And are there roles that he feels more comfortable in or is as an actor, he'll take on any challenge at all? I just want to find out. So I asked him, Let, let's see what he says. Do you have larger philosophical goals in how you portray it? Or do you stay focused just on that character in the context of everything else that happens? Well, I mean, I want to be part of a story, so I suppose I would say I don't know, I don't know how to play a part that isn't involved in a, co a wider context. I need to know who they are and why they are. So yeah, I and I would rather the what I, what I do doesn't diminish the audience. <laughs> well, I mean that's an, that's an important statement because the, in all the roles that I remember seeing you in, you were. In a way, bigger than yourself. Not not in any bravado way, obviously, but just it's like, yeah. I mean, I I feel that. I see it. I I, I know somebody kind of like that. And I, and you know, there. Whereas there are others, they come on set and they leave, and I don't even remember that they were there. And so, so you're putting something in there that I don't. You don't get with every performer. And. And, and I, and I well, see that. Well, it's a mysterious mechanism, acting and theater and, uh, and, and storytelling. It's, it's mysterious. Uh, and it involves, you know, you make a choice to be an actor. But is it still mysterious to you? You're in it. You're, oh, yeah. you're, you're accomplishing. It's mysterious to me. I tried it. <laughs> I have two cameo roles. And it's like, this is hard stuff. And I was playing myself. That's, and so... So it's it's I think it's a mystery to people who don't understand it. It's just that that what's going on there? He's pulling it off and he's making it happen. Just let it run. It, it is a mystery to actors as well, to a large extent. When when you feel it, uh, you know they on film they go, okay, that's let's move on, um, cut, move on. When they've got it. Uh, it's often mysterious as to what has happened, if it's all work. So there are pe people who study emotions. They've, they've, I just learned this, that they've, they've divided up emotions into seven categories. Only really? seven? Only yeah. seven? Wow. <laughs> well, seven and all are, are Let's combinations. Let's try to get them now. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, are combinations of others. So happiness, <laughs> sadness. I got eight. Happiness, sadness, anger, surprise, fear, disgust, and contempt. Wait, disgust and contempt are very similar. What's um, the difference? I don't have contempt of food in which I'm disgusted, disgusted. for having eaten. Oh, okay. So okay. I think you can make maps of how these would combine, and a good actor presumably can summon these at any wow. instant. But what's interesting, when you study these across cultures, there's extraordinary similarity. An angry person in one culture looks like an angry person in another culture, right? There's no one smiling out of anger in one place and showing their teeth in another. I mean, there's a commonality across cultures. So Are this, you sure? <laughs> so yeah. there's a, 
There's a that was a creepy face, Charles. Don't do that again. I don't. Was you, that you're scaring did, me? Did that create disgust? I don't. Fear? That's a eighth category here. Charles <laughs> freaking out. Is creepy a category? <laughs> creepy, creepy. We need creepy here. But his comment, <laughs> his comment about the mystery of acting is so dead on. It's, it's only so a mystery much. because we haven't studied and understood it. Yet. Are you sure? Not because it's not because it's mystical or anything. Well, in the same sense that you still really can't tell which painting is more beautiful, this Renoir or that Monet. There's an aesthetic to it. Sure, we can try to quantify it scientifically, but is there a part of it that will never, ever be able to be quantified, like I, into these I, I don't think so. I think we one day we'll put electrodes on Chuck's head, and when he says angry, and I'll see what part his brain lights up, mm-hmm. when he says I'm happy, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be useful. The whole brain lights up. Oh my God, his brain is one big giant light bulb. <laughs> it's just one we, we organ. Will, we won't <laughs> like him when he's angry. <laughs> So I mean, it's just a, it's an intriguing fact yeah. that an actor can summon these emotions on command, deliver them, be convincing about it, and they're not even feeling that unless in any in any derived way. In any, see, a lot of them will say they, they create are the stimulus, right? So nothing external to them right. created the stimulus, right? But they create the stimulus in us. Yes, they <laughs> themselves, whether or not they feel it, can convince us that they feel it. That's a scientific thing in the receiving side, and that's all the transmission side. Which makes the really good, which means they're really good emotional liars. Exactly. I, wonder what, I wonder what it is to be married to an actor. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> Can't trust them. You don't know. Are they lying? Are they telling the truth? Of course, <clears throat> I still love you, honey. You're my world. <laughs> right, right. It's like not. <laughs> we got to start wrapping this up. My oh, gosh! Oh, this was such fun. a good time. Chuck and Charles. Charles and Chuck, <laughs> thanks for being on Star. You've been on Star to talk before. Yes. This will not be your last time. I Thank promise. Thank you so much. And Such Chuck, a pleasure. I'm going to find you on Friday night. So my my sister who loves Home and Garden Television, she's going to find you by accident. That's right. She's going to call me in panic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Will it be creepy when you? No, break it in? won't be creepy. Only okay. if I actually came in your home. Oh, You've okay. been listening to Star Talk Radio, brought to you in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Give it up for the NSF. Yes. I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.